So Matt Ray, yes. it is the third week of November here in uh, the good old U.S. of A., which means this is the uh, the Thanksgiving week where uh, most of the U.S. begins to uh, fake work for the next three days before stuffing themselves with uh, turkey, stuffing, maybe a few vegetables, pumpkin pie on Thursday. So my question, an important <laughs> question for you and the listeners is, as an American who's abroad during Thanksgiving, yep. what do you do? Well... I'm going to go to work. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, my Thursday and Friday have meetings scheduled. It's just another day. Um, last year, we we tried to celebrate Thanksgiving in our own little American way. Uh, but uh, I don't uh, I don't particularly eat much turkey myself. But the uh, um, <laughs> the my wife got a, a turkey breast. Um, cook that up for the, the kids and, uh, fine pumpkin was hard. Um, canned pumpkin in Australia is, <laughs> is a rarity. Uh, and most of the things that get labeled as pumpkins here, you would call butternut squash, uh, back in the States. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we kind of faked our way through it. And as we sat down for, for, uh, for Thanksgiving dinner last year uh, on a weeknight, you know, when the kids had to go to school the next day, I'm eating dinner and looking out the window and the bats are flying by. <laughs> so that is my, my Australian Thanksgiving memory uh, is that's the first time I noticed that thousands of bats fly over my house every night. Um, so happy Thanksgiving from Australia. That's kind of a throwback to, to Austin, right? Austin, we have our bats, so maybe that was a little bit like your hometown of Austin uh, return. No, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, bats, these these, these, these are flying foxes. So they're not like those little, you know, size of your hand bats that they have in Austin. These are like, you know, the length of your arms. These are, you know, three feet across, four feet across bats. They're the biggest bats in the world. They're huge. They're monstrous. I'll have to put a picture in the show notes of uh, whether they where they where they actually roost. It's near, uh, it's a couple, maybe a mile away. And so we went over there and took photos and stuff. It's a uh, uh, it's a strange fruit for sure. It's it's kind of disgusting to see just thousands of bats glomming onto these trees. Well, this seems to be going with a recurring theme that as uh, we wander, as we hear about your adventures down under, that like every animal is both uh, bigger and either much cuter or much more fierce in Australia. Like everything is just over. <laughs> it's like we have tiny bats here in Austin that you can't really see unless someone really points them out. So, uh, yeah, so I wouldn't expect anything otherwise than Australia having massive bats that are on the verge of like pterodactyls is what I feel like you just described to me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely pterodactyl-like. And and the, the best part is they're not bothering to, like, hide in a cave or anything. They're just like, you know what? This this stretch of trees, these are ours. There's a thousand of us up here. And, you know, middle of the day you walk by and they're sleeping, but they're still kind of crabby. And they're like, ah, ah. That was good. We're going to keep, we're going to cut that. We're going to clip out that sound effect somehow and we'll continue to use it <laughs> going on. All right. So it sounds like, um, not surprisingly, no one in Australia cares about the U.S. Thanksgiving. I, I think we can confirm that. Yeah. You know, um, which is funny because I think here they have bigger, bigger problems. Yeah, I was gonna say here in the U.S., <laughs> it's like uh, I feel like we're always just so dismissive of like any holiday that isn't a U.S. centric one. Uh, I think we deserve the same type of, uh, of of treatment by the rest of the world. So good. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of pushback on um, Halloween 
But but the the thing is, there's none of that uh, in the U.S. You've got the nice clean distinction between you know Christmas starts you know as soon as your forks down from Thanksgiving meal, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, that's really. I, I was trying to uh, say to someone like when you have to explain Thanksgiving to like maybe somebody that you know, hasn't lived in the U.S. or is visiting, it's like it's just always this very odd thing. You're like, well. Like we we had this kind of meal with the pilgrims and the Indians, but there is some problems that uh, came from that. And like, and then you're just like, in which you want to really just say at the end is like, really, this is just the kickoff of the Christmas shopping center. I still actually think of that's what I think we're celebrating. I don't know of anyone even thinks of all the holidays in the United States. It feels like this one is like glossed over the most as of like what we're actually celebrating. <laughs> well, I did have my uh, my my eight year old explain to me that that Halloween was based off of a pagan holiday, and <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's all glossed over, right? It's just a chance for free candy and and dressing up as you know something scary, or when <laughs> when you're an adult, something sexy, um, or both. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Thanksgiving. I mean, it, it was never like a religious thing, so you know, it's just uh, it's vaguely patriotic, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's it's a four day weekend before the hell, the Christmas kickoff. It's but here exactly the right. the holiday started. Uh, we were we went uh, went downtown this last weekend and walked by a storefront and there were the big store windows full of snow scenes and you know Christmas sales and it was just like oh it's you know I'm going you know I went to the beach this morning and today I'm Christmas shopping. Uh, it was a little uncanny. But is so they do they does Christmas like have a winter vibe in Australia or is it just all flipped around? They just associate with Oh, like it's totally weather. flipped around. Right, right. Um I think I think maybe last year, uh probably on Facebook I posted photos of so so my kids uh were doing uh Nippers, which is the the junior life saving club. Uh like, you know, Baywatch for kids. Um and they had a, a Christmas party and Santa came up on a on a little speedboat up the beach and you know all the little kids in their <laughs> swimsuits, you know, jumping around Santa. That might be another one for the show notes if we if I didn't share it last year. But uh, yeah, and then Christmas Day is usually you know you open your presents in the morning and you hang out at the beach, and you know Christmas Day, Boxing Day, you know that whole week is just you know going to the beach, having a you know having picnic with your family, enjoying the sun. Looking forward That's, to it. That part sounds awesome. Like once yeah. you're, I think, older and you're like, I don't really care about the snow. Or like the only reason to go to to be around snow to me is if you're snow skiing. Otherwise, it's like, no, exactly. it's cold. It sounds like it's great to have a couple <laughs> weeks, you know, because everyone's off at Christmas and it's like yep. summer. It's like, yeah, let's just all go to the beach. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in on uh, Australian uh, summer Christmas. I'm, I'm into that. So I need to come down and uh, try it out at some point. Definitely. Definitely. I'll be here a little All bit right. longer. <laughs> well, um, I think people have probably noticed that uh, Kote, our fearless leader and host, is not on today. So it's just uh, Matt Ray and I. Kote had to take uh, start his vacation a little bit early, had some uh, family stuff to take care of. So we wish him well, but fear not. Kote yep. will be back very soon. It will not just be Matt Ray and I. I was thinking <laughs> that um, what will the show lack with Kote not being here? And I thought – probably uh philosophical references like i don't i don't feel strong in that area i don't think you have a lot of uh core not, not a philosophy yeah not a philosophy major so uh, my, my my kids are trying to fill in the news quotient in the background if if we're, if we're not getting that uh yeah hopefully the mic is hot enough to pick that up uh 
But yes, hopefully uh, we will uh, endeavor without him. Hopefully we'll have some tech news, some tech analysis, uh, I guess less philosophy. And I don't know, maybe the listeners uh, can tell us what, without Kote, like what does it lack? I think, but I think, but it's going to be the same great stuff, just two people instead of three people. And uh, like I said, Kote will be back. But we also have some exciting news here at the uh, Software Defined Talk headquarters. Uh, this week was, I think, a milestone in uh the our uh, actual podcasting empire we got a logo matt ray we have a brand new logo, logo. that that was uh designed and we got lots of feedback in the slack channel on logos people liked and didn't like so that mm-hmm. was fantastic it's always great to have people voting and i think there was a clear winner i think there wasn't a lot of controversy of it around it so one hopefully you've noticed the logo in in your favorite uh podcast player uh, i've noticed that like they don't all update at the same time so i don't know like if it isn't updated yet i don't know why it's probably <laughs> some weird cdn issue but don't worry yeah. i know it in, in itunes which i consider the definitive oh well i should say itunes and overcast the definitive yeah. uh they have up- updated so i'm considering my <laughs> job done and in uh, true developer terms like it's not my problem yeah yeah I, I think looking at uh looking at my I use uh, dog catcher on Android and uh, it uh, has the old logo. It has the new, the, whenever we upgraded the exegesis logo, it has that one, but still has the old, uh, the old one. I'm doing an update okay. now, but yeah, still have to look at that, uh, that zoom screenshot from before. That's right. <sighs> well, more importantly, I was going to tell everyone is that we are also launching the first ever software defined talk listener or audience survey. So yep. uh, we did it in Survey Monkey, but we're cheap and we don't we didn't get like a good URL. So the URL is like so hard to read <laughs> that I'm not even gonna try. Wait, could, could, yeah. Like, could, can we URL yes. cleanse it with like a, a, a bit.ly or something? You know? Probably. Probably we could, but we're just we're not that advanced. We're right? cheap. So yeah. this is what I'm gonna tell people. This is what we're gonna do. It's like we're gonna include the link to the survey in the show notes. It will uh, obviously be up on software divine talk slash uh, 112 or it will uh we will tweet it out so that if you are a loyal listener and it will be in our slack channel, oh sure so that's another reason that you should join the slack channel is that you can get in there and uh, give us feedback on logos you can uh take surveys yeah. and you can like po- talk about obscure meat and stuff it's just <laughs> it's, a, it's a great place well, it, and then oh yeah, yeah there's some tech yeah you well. you can post our uh links that that uh, might might you know, be what the the fodder for the, the week's content. Um, you know, it's it's very interactive. We we are some uh, yeah. next gen media company here. <laughs> we absolutely are. So don't worry. So I would appreciate it if you guys will take it. Like I said, check. <laughs> I'm gonna the website I'm, or the We're gonna call it podcasting 2.0. <laughs> that's right. That's that's exactly what we're calling it. And so uh, so join up. And then uh, this week, I'm also excited to say that we've got. A sponsor. We've got SolarWinds. Yep. So a little bit. We're going to hear a little bit about some exciting announcements from SolarWinds, and we're going to give you guys some ideas to uh, ways to maybe get some new T-shirts and do some stuff with them. So it's going to be exciting. But enough, enough with the pre-show announcements. Let's uh, let's dive into uh, you know a topic no one we've never discussed before. <laughs> uh, we've it's something that is never it's a short is, list is VMware. Oh yeah. <laughs> And VMware, and I thought today, you know, because there wasn't a ton of news. Uh, I said I think people are prepping. All the news is saved mm-hmm. up for AWS reInvent. So there's a little bit of holdback. But I ran across uh, a great episode of Masters of Scale, which is uh, a uh, Reed Hoffman's 
podcast where he's like, you know, super VC guy, like funded everything, including like it's part of the PayPal mafia. And then I think he went on to do LinkedIn. So if you get, if you don't, if you like LinkedIn, you can, you know, really, uh, be happy he's around if you hate LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, it's his fault so, either way. Yeah. It's his self. So, but he has a great podcast. I do like, it's called masters of scale. And he did an interview with Diane green mm-hmm. who as we, as you may know, is really one of the co-founders of VMware and now is the head of, what is the official name? Google Cloud Platform? Yeah, GCP. GCP? Yep, right? yep. Yeah. And I, th- I thought like, you know, because we're obsessive and we love to talk about Kubernetes, it's like, well, why? Why do we talk about Kubernetes so much? And I thought the, one of the answers to that is the fact that VMware, in my opinion, you know, really maybe the most major event in IT you know, last 15 Definitely. years. And it really is the, the precursor to setting the stage for why there's all this talk about mm-hmm. cloud. And then more importantly, why there's all this talk about Kubernetes. I mean, VMware, you know, they came on the scene and really changed. <clears throat> well, in some aspects, they, they almost like professionalized how people start to think about their IT infrastructure. You know, things were kind of glomming together, getting to a certain scale organically. Um, and people realized they had a lot of it and they didn't, they knew they were doing it inefficiently and they realized, you know, they didn't have tools for thinking about it at, you know, slightly larger scale. And, you know, VMware tried to tackle this and, you know, they succeeded. Um, I mean, you know, they didn't solve all the problems, but, but really the goal was to help people tackle that sprawl of machines that they had. Um, you know, server consolidation became a thing. Um, you know, the, the various tools for managing large fleets. Uh, well, before that, a lot of the stuff was just kind of scraped together by hand. Um, I know, uh, you know, I, I know back in the day, you managed a lot of, you know, a lot of machines with a big Perl script and SSH and, you know, that, uh, you know, VMware tried to uh, tackle that and, and made it consumable for the masses. And, and boy, did they. Yeah. And I think, right. you know, like one of the things Diane goes over is the, is the business setting, right? And I think this is sort of like the past informs the future is that she said, yes, they were looking at virtualization. He, I get, it turns out it's uh, her and her husband, you know, her husband, I guess, was, you know, uh, teaching at Stanford, right? And he was doing some work and research and virtualization. And what they sort of decided was that at that time, right, there was the Windows monopoly and the Intel monopoly. So they very much from the outset, and I think this kind of gets to like strategy. We talk about that all the time. Like, does you, if you have great technology, that's awesome, but do you have a strategy? And their strategy, pretty simple, was, or opportunity identification, I'd say, was like, hey, was there a way that you can drive something between the Windows monopoly and the Intel monopoly, right? And that's really the opportunity they saw right from the beginning around virtualization. So, and they said, you know, she even says that her vision at the time was that, you know, the software is going to run on every server in the world at some point, right? So pretty bold, like right from the beginning, Mm -hmm. Um, but a pretty good observation. But one of the things I thought was funny, right, is that we all have, I think everyone has had some kind of world domination idea, at least for a a fleeting moment. You're like, it would be great (laughs) if the world had something, if it had some kind of new uh, water or soda or something that you've had a problem in your life. Like everyone needs this, a lawnmower. (laughs) And then um, you quickly kind of just, you you talk to some people about it and people are like, I don't want that. Yeah, we tried that. Yeah, it doesn't work. Or have you seen so-and-so who's already doing that? Yeah, and that's yeah. All, all you get. You get hit by like the bus of like reality. So, 
what they did, right? And I think this is funny because they went back in time and said, okay, well, the first thing they did is they went out and they they pitched VMware to a whole bunch of IT departments uh, and were under the idea that it will reduce costs, cost reductions. So this is kind of at the peak of the dot-com craziness. So in GB says mm-hmm, mm-hmm. went to a party and it was like pets.com and like all these big internet startups. And they were all talking about what they did and asked her what she did. And she's like, well, I got this virtualization company. And she said she was, people were like, oh, that's nice. You know, and just were very, very dismissive of it. So they right. went out and they pitched a bunch of this and uh, Matt Ray, maybe as you would expect, no one cared. No one, right. they were like, we don't. And she even says in there that nobody cared about saving money during the dot-com craziness. Oh, it was such a good time. Do you remember, Matt Ray? You remember the 2000s? Uh, so good. So much so much foosball, so many video games. Good times. It was fantastic. And so yeah. this is what leads me to it. I even remember finally, I think you were around. I remember, we were, I can't remember which place we're working at, but what they found was like, okay, so they let, still like this technology and they're asking around like who wanted it. And then they just bet, went back to like, well, who would possibly use it? And she said that they finally stumbled on Linux developers. Like Linux developers were um, willing to try it and they ha- all had this problem. They all had the problem <laughs> of they needed to check their uh, Microsoft Exchange using Microsoft Outlook. Uh, but they could, as we remember, this is, I know this is, sounds so old to probably people, like there was a time this was a real issue. Like if you had a Linux machine, there were time you were kind of an island. People were like, hmm, I don't oh know. Oh my how gosh. Mail. I was on that island. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, uh, all the tools from like, was it Zimian who had like the Outlook connector uh, plugin for, Thunderbird or whatever the mail client was at the time. Oh my God, that you just opened like a, a gaping wound of of, <laughs> of of enterprise, you know, 2004 or whatever, when uh, using Linux on the desktop and trying to be, you know, trying not to be completely assimilated, but trying to get work done. And man, there was a whole whole industry around that. And uh, yeah, VMware, VMware into that and. You're pitching to Linux developers. <laughs> uh, you're already pitching to somebody who's probably on the cheap end of of things. Um, but yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, that's exactly right. Because I remember you. You were definitely uh, you were the one. I remember the time. Like I can't remember. Maybe it was even a desktop machine. You were yep. always getting Linux to run on them and like trying to search the internet for the various crazy configuration files and you know all. The, I mean, this is the time installing Linux was like a whole project, right? So, yes. what what um what they then found though, right, is that like yeah, the Linux developers were had this problem. They'd install VMware. Just, I mean, this is the old desktop, right? Yep. Desktop version, just to basically get it running so they could check the mail. But they also found that this was a great group of people because it slowly made its way up to like the IT admins. They were running Linux, a lot of them, and then they started to use it. And then, of course, they started to use it to actually test out uh, various um, parts of, of different software. And they found mm-hmm. like it was a really convenient tool. And that's really where the, their passionate user base came from, right? Is that this group of people, and this is sort of kind of coming back to like inside out marketing, whether it's containers, whether it's VMware, whether it's whatever, right? Can you find a group of passionate people that, and even, and this is what, you know, Reed Hoffman was kind of, you know, telling everybody, it's like, sometimes you think, you don't think it's going to be a big opportunity. He calls it coming sideways. He's got all these cool, like marketing terms for it. But <laughs> I think the whole point is this: like, you know, sometimes you start solving a problem, but you don't know where it's going to lead. Right. And I think that was the the case of VMware. And I think, you know, we we can talk a little bit about containers as well, doing the same thing. Is that you found this passionate group of people, but then 
as I'm fond of saying, it's like, it's good. It's great to have a great idea. It's great to have some great technology, but you almost always need like some external event uh, to like really bring attention to your technology. And guess what? Diane Green and VMware was so lucky. Uh, as we all of a certain age remember, there was the dot-com uh, com- collapse, explosion, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, catastrophe, right? And so <laughs> what you found then is that people started to show up because now buying uh, servers and buying uh, lots of stuff was no longer feasible. So people were like, wow, you know, your software uh, can really run uh, uh, can really reduce our costs. So we want some. So she has this funny quote in there saying like, yeah, all you have to do to know the value of uh, VMware is to go bankrupt. So I thought that was <laughs> Yeah, that. yeah. When, when everybody had their, their Starfire 10Ks and um, Sunfire, Starfire, whatever. But yeah, where there was just that uh, explosion of enterprise tools to help people, you know, and then like when it came to make the second payment on it, everything went, went away. Uh, I seem to remember being at a software company that uh, one one of the quarters in that that time frame, um, the only way they made their number was by selling a building. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think uh, I think I know exactly. <laughs> and it was, but it was crazy times, right? It was like it was it was the time where like, okay, well, what do we have in here? We can sell. Can we sell the building? Let's yeah, do that. Yeah. I mean, it was just craziness. So. Um, so what's interesting, right, is then I think kind of VMware sort of takes off from there, right? And, you know, I I found this just shocking, right, that I, I did not know this until she said it. So in 2003, VMware was sold to, uh, you know, EMC. This is back when EMC was just a storage, company, yeah. right, before all the, the uh, storage stuff. So they were sold for 600, or VMware sold for $625 million. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say... I don't know. Greatest acquisition of the last. I don't know. We 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 gave we gave that uh, that kudo out last week to PowerPoint. What did it? Which one? Okay, so that's a good one. Um, I I looked it up right before the show, so I don't know if the stock has changed. But like the VMware market cap right now is on the order of fifty billion dollars, and the annual revenue is seven billion. That's pretty good. So probably this is probably like every week I give out the greatest acquisition of all time. So this this week, week's greatest, greatest acquisition of all time. <laughs> and uh, and then you know Diane Green went on to stay there for about five more years, and it's like wow, it's it's amazing that you know and I don't you know in retrospect, like I remember when they sold, I thought it was a great idea, and I remember you know EMC doing well with it. So I never thought like wow they sold too early, but but maybe that was the case here. But she said, and this is a fun fact I didn't know either, that at the time that they did have this idea of the cloud, um, and they when they named VMware ESX, like if you remember, VMware's branding got so oh my gosh at yeah one point there was like an ESX like a GSX there were so mm-hmm, many letters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I frankly never actually understood it. I don't know. I just could never. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I sat down and and actually had to learn the whole VMware like nom- nomenclature. You know, because they they have a lot of products, and um, you know, be, <laughs> you know, having a team that actually had to integrate with them, having to learn the difference between like GSX and ESX and ESXi, and you know, when the hypervisor was installed on an OS, when it became you know para virtualization, just all the different phases they went through it's like oh yeah they they made this transition from being desktop virtualization to server virtualization to you know the precursor to private cloud um yeah it it was it was a long journey (laughs) it was and so 
in in the interview, she says that ESX stand, stood for I don't know what the X stood for, but she said it stands for Elastic Sky. So at the time, right, they had this idea wasn't cloud, but the idea of elastic right. computing or elastic sky. So I'm actually going to, you know, sometimes you hear origin myths, right? You're just like, this story was all made up. But I was like, well, it sounds pretty plausible. I don't know what GSX stands for. Maybe that was just another made up one. But <laughs> Ground GSX, sky. I'll give it to her. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know. Maybe they just, maybe, maybe it's all retracted. Yeah. She's like, elastic sky. We're, we're going to acronym this one. And uh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, anyway, she goes on and then saying, so now, right, you know, flat, uh, flash forward here, you know, many years in that she has been appointed, you know, head of the Google cloud platform. And now she, you know, really that's kind of like where, you know, her story is that like, you know, she always had this vision and she's been pursuing it for a long time and certainly a lot of success with VMware. And, you know, I think the Google cloud platform, you know, the one condition, I guess, when she took the job was that they put everybody that works on Google cloud is in her division. So that's like sales, marketing, engineering, everything else. And she said that was a big change. So but I think that's it's interesting, right? That that history of both having an original vision, finding kind of like through kind of this sideways methodology, finding some passionate users. Um, you know, certainly VMware by no means open source, but following kind of what I think a lot of people consider like a traditional, what we would consider now a traditional, yeah, traditional like an organic model, like growth, grassroots. grassroots movement that kind of blossoms up into you know something palatable to the enterprise. Yeah. So, yeah, it was good. So, you know, that kind of takes us into, and I, I thought like, you know, overall, right, there's a lot of random things that happened to VMware that I don't think they could have predicted. Right, before. right. I mean, how, how, how much of that was a strategy and how much of was the things that they were just the right place at the right time? Yeah, that, that's... Yeah. And I think this is always the debate, but you, Matt, found a excellent article this week mm. called Managing Strategies... Many, sorry, let me try that again. <laughs> Many strategies fail because they're not actually strategies. Yeah. This is a title, almost, talk about confirmation bias. I was like, I love this. Right, I, I knew you would. It. I knew you would. It, it, and then I was like, oh, I got to read this. Yeah. I got to read this. So why don't you take this through? Like, what, what was the, the gist of that article? And then maybe we'll see if it applies to this VMware. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know how, how well it applies to the VMware situation, but when you start talking about strategy and you know business strategy and and all that fun stuff there's a difference between having a strategy and having goals and and goals are things like you know we want to be the number one monitoring company in the world well sure who doesn't right but the question is you know how are you going to get there and and so the the it's a harvard business review paper that kind of talks about you know, companies a lot of times are confusing strategies with goals because a strategy is the set of choices you're going to make to get you there, right? Um, and and so they talk about they they go through the fact that as you're building out these strategies, you know you need to talk them through and communicate them with the people who are going to be implementing them and get everyone to understand the logic that went into those decisions. You know you can't just say like you know. Uh, this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. Like, well, why, you know, how are we going to make that happen? What are we going to do together to make it happen? And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to see because, you know, talking about this VMware thing is like, how much of it was strategy? How much of it was, you know, they just stumbled into it. Um, you know, cause, cause you, 
you know, as you were talking through the the VMware thing, I started thinking about um, Vagrant, and and Vagrant was like every developer's desktop, right? Everyone had it. It was the hot thing, and you know it didn't. I mean, HashiCorp's doing well, but um, I don't think that you know they transitioned Vagrant into their you know ESX. Uh, it just kind of was something that got them a lot of attention. Um, and and maybe you know maybe they missed out to Docker or something like that at the time. Um, so you could see like other people who had something that started down this path, and I'm sure I'm sure they had goals like that. Uh, but I don't know if it was a strategy thing or you know just they weren't lucky like VMware was. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. I mean, it's always hard to like pull these things after the fact. Like, what strategy? What was luck? And you know, I you know the answer the the pat answer is like, well, it's everything. But this article, what I do like is the thinking. This article is pretty short too. I should really plug it. Like, I think you can read it. Like, you know. <laughs> we do like short articles. We do. That's a, that. That's a great way to get on a software defined talk. Like, write your article and make it short. Uh, but I, you know, the thing that they they hit on that just so resonates is that you know there's a much different. Uh, there's a big difference between strategies and goals, right? Like you said earlier, right? The fact, and I think most people can relate to being in a meeting where there's a PowerPoint slide, yes, PowerPoint, where they pull it up and like, we're going to be number one in this market. And you're just, and you just are always left with like, but like, what are we going to do? Like how, right? And I think the idea of like having a vision, right? And I think that's where, you know, I think we can back to like that elastic sky and ESX kind of uh, comment. Like, I think that is the root of some evidence that Diane Green and the VMware team really had a vision, right? That they knew, hey, there's a huge market here that it's really too complicated to run all this software on all these physical machines and we that we do have this vision to get there. And then what I would guess, what I would wonder is to say, you know, this is the old product market fit conversation is like, well, no one really knows at the beginning who really wants to pay for it. So as they did in the case of VMware, I think they went out with a good assumption. They probably had like some good personas, if you will, like, yeah, let's go to the IT guy and we'll tell him how we'll save money. And then you get out there and you're like, nope, don't want it at all, but they were smart enough to keep going. And in this case, like sometimes it's not so much being smart. It's sometimes just listening to the obvious. They ran into some Linux developers like, Hey, I just need to check my mail. But I know in their heart of hearts, nobody felt great about that. No one's like, great. Linux developers <laughs> can check their mail. Like we're going to be a $50 billion company. But sometimes this is where I think you have to be willing to, you know, if you will go to the customers that have the biggest pain, live with mm -hmm. them for a while and, you know, hope, and this is where I think there's a little bit of hope, but there's also a little bit of like, can we wait long enough that the value of our product becomes apparent to more people? And in the case right. of the dot-com crash, right, I think that was the forcing function event for VMware to go back and really probably make the same case they made before. Um, but I loved, I mean, I do, I have to say, I love this article. I'm glad you found it. And the other part that I think, you know, I'm just going to assume all our listeners are going to enjoy this as well, is that, you know, once you've set out the vision if you're leading the company, so they really make a lot of point here that it's not a, a top-down process, right? And I think this is the other thing that happens is that you, know, you go in these rooms, like this kind of pyramid organizational structure, and people start to decide, well, that's a good idea, that's not a good idea. Um, and they kind of just point out that like, if you have a good strategy and a good vision that you, you know, as, as they put it, you want to let the selection happen organically. So mm -hmm. if everyone's like, we're going to build uh, a great 
new piece of software will let and we have a vision of what it should do in this case like we want to make it very easy for it admins to quickly you know test new software like let a bunch of people try different products and i think this is if there's a place where this really resonates to me it's this is what the open source revolution right is yeah, that yeah. people getting frustrated with something to the point they write some kind of tool they put it out on you know github and you know that's ultimately um, the place of where ideas, like if you will, it's like it's almost looking. I don't know. If, does GitHub actually track velocity or commits or whatever you want to call it? Oh like, yeah, that, that's yeah. the place you can go see like what has traction and what doesn't. And I think that is you know there's something great about open source. Um, and there's obviously lots of things great about it, but that's one of the real to me. Uh, values you get, right? The fact that like you can put it out there, you see what resonates and see what kind of velocity you're getting. And that really lets you know if you have a good idea or if you're just building, you know, the, the eight. Well, but, but, but it's also, it's also flattened that, that pyramid, right? So rather than being able to, you know, come up with some big idea and by fiat say, you know, we're going to do this. It's like the market of ideas is moving so fast in open source that, um, it's hard to it's hard to change how things happen. Uh, I mean, to to have like some you know breakthrough revolutionary idea that you can commercialize. <laughs> um, and, and so you know, as 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 you're you know talking through like you know Google's strategy or you know various cloud strategies, you know, being a me too is once you have a certain volume of customers, you know it doesn't really, you're not differentiating on that many features. And so as you're talking through this, I'm thinking like, you know, if, if I'm on the outside and I am of, of, you know, a Google or, um, Alyun or, you know, Amazon or whoever, like, what do I think their strategy is and how do I think they differentiate themselves to get to that? And, you know, saying things like, well, we're the fastest or the cheapest is not a great strategy. That's like, kind of a, uh, you know, it, a side effect. Um, so I, I wonder if you're in a highly commoditized space, how much strategy can you actually have? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's, you know, those, these are like the really hard questions that I think every <laughs> company grapples with, but I, but the one thing, I guess, you know, I should almost correct myself. It's like, these are the hard questions I think companies should grapple with, but often don't. Right. This is where I think people get um, often get very, obsessed with their goals, right? And they kind of get obsessed with specific tactics, but without ever stepping back, just what you just said, like in really challenging their own thinking. So like to me, you know, if you're in a commoditized market, well then, yeah. I mean, I think, and I think this is the flip side of open source sometimes. It's like sometimes these solutions commoditize themselves, right? They become such uh, good products that there isn't an obvious way to make money. So then you kind of have to step back and think about what's your value and what you're doing. And we will talk more about that in a moment. Uh -oh. But you mentioned monitoring. Yep. Matt Ray. I did. This week's sponsor is SolarWinds. So I have some exciting news from SolarWinds today that I'm going to tell everybody about. So SolarWinds is announcing, or this episode, I should say, is sponsored by the SolarWinds Cloud. And they have recently launched a new product. It's uh, the next evolution of the portfolio that delivers comprehensive, simple, and disruptively affordable full stack monitoring, Matt Ray. Full stack. For workloads built on a common, seamlessly integrated SaaS-based solution. Their newest product is AppOptics. 
combines distributed application tracing with infrastructure monitoring, dashboards, and alerting in a single tool. I'm pretty so, excited. I'm pretty pumped up. So I'm just going to go through it. That was the official marketing copy, which was well-written, and I apologize for reading it so poorly. But nonetheless, this is what you get, Matt Ray. You get a little APM. I like that. A little infrastructure monitoring. Always good. And you get a little, little tracing. So this is what we want uh, everyone to do. I want you to go out to www.solarwinds.com slash SDT. SDT stands for Software Defined Talk, right? So it's solarwinds.com slash SDT where you can register, read all about their great new solution. And if you go on there, it's going to have some details. You're going to register, do a couple of things, maybe create a dashboard, do a little bit of monitoring, and they will give you a fine new t-shirt that has been specifically designed uh, by the great creative team at SolarWinds. So you're going to love it. So Matt Ray, it may be news to you. Yeah. Sometimes web applications, they have problems. They do. It's, it's been known to happen. They don't always load super fast. And then you're like, what are you going to do? Yep. Like, you're like, it's like, you know, you can either just uh, start, you know, secure shelling everywhere. JJ doesn't <laughs> like that. You can like manually start like pulling all the data together, yeah. putting it in Excel spreadsheets. It's painful. Don't do that. Stay what you need Excel. to do is to go out, check out the SolarWinds product, and then you can get everything together. You can get your APMs. You can see if your code's yeah. working right. You can go out and see if you got a bad CPU, bad memory, whether, you know, the metrics. The logs. You can also do, you know, what I always like. You, you know, we got paper trail of their solar winds for the logs. You got the ability to do custom metrics. You know, I always say you're not like a real, real application until you've actually uh, done some custom metrics and then you can trace and trace what's happening. So we want to thank uh, everyone at solar winds for, for sponsoring us and another little offer for you for all of those going to AWS uh, reinvent next yep. week, stop by their booth. I want you to stop by their booth. I want you to tell them that software defined talk sent you. Brandon and Matt said great things. And you can also just get a free t-shirt there. You go. there. So if we're going to be there, you can just go over to yeah, get a free t-shirt. Yeah. So, and finally, if you're there, ask for uh, Patrick Hubbard. He's like their head geek. And he'll be doing some demos and some stuff. And he can tell you tell you all more about it. So thank you to Solar Thanks. Wish. Speaking of Amazon. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, reInvent. Are you headed there? I am not. I'm not uh, going. I, I'm sadly, I, I cannot make it. I feel like this. This is, uh, as I've said before, reinvent has become like the new, uh, you know, show everyone has to be at. So I'm sad I won't be there. But are, I assume you're not making the long. No, trip, no. You? It's the uh, uh, <clears throat> it's the Thanksgiving of of events. Um, no, it's uh, it's a bit <laughs> far. Um, but uh, Chef will definitely be there in force. Uh, hopefully, we'll be demoing something or announcing something or other. But, uh, you know, I, I know it, it is, it is, I, you know, I said Thanksgiving, but for, for, for probably listeners of our show, it's, it's a lot like Christmas, right? You know, there's going to be all sorts of, you know, pre-announcements, post-announcements, day one, day two, you know, all the keynotes, things leaking, um, going to be a lot of stuff coming out, I'm sure. Uh, do you have any, any, anything that you're expecting to see without, uh, breaking any NDAs? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't actually have any inside info, so I am 100% not going to break any NDAs. But I do think your your Christmas metaphor is very apt because when you're a little kid, if you're lucky enough, like you get so many presents, there's like so much oh, stuff yeah. that's overload. You're like, you just you just at some point you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, like four, four days all. later, yeah, know. four days later, you're like, hey, what's this AWS uh, config thing do? <laughs> 
Yeah, and I feel like this is how AWS is. It's like first Amazon, like that Amazon blog, the AWS. Blog yeah, they're like, like goes crazy. Here, are, like, we're I, gonna I hit know. publish on ten articles at the same time. Yeah, and you're just like, and then people start asking you, like, have you heard of what? And you're like, uh, no, I just, I just <laughs> got up. I just, I yeah. in the bathroom, and I had to like, I yeah. missed one of the articles. So there's that, and then of course all the uh, supporting vendors, right? Now I have been at small companies and big companies, but uh, I know, you know, the big the. And I'm sure you know, Matt, right? It's like, you know, the big thing for all the, all the small vendors is to somehow get on stage. It's to do anything you can for Amazon yep. and it'll pull you up on stage. So I know right now there are lots of people not listening to this podcast who are like like working on some demo. There's like putting together, I don't know. There's somehow they're working on a demo because they're trying to get up there and they want to get the big AWS mention. So I know all those guys are. But my biggest you know, announcement is nothing surprising. So if I think I mentioned before is... You know, we've seen a lot of private cloud announcements, you know, Microsoft, mm-hmm. IBM, you know, we go on and on, right? And we've talked about probably this whole year about the kind of this resurgence of the hybrid cloud or this coming out. So, um, and then many years ago, I guess not that long ago, but, you know, Amazon did that deal with the CIA and yeah, the yeah. data center. And that was sort of a very special case. But I just got to believe, like, you think this is the year, huh? Some type of private. This is it. I think this is it. And I feel like this is going to be the moment where um, they get up there and they they embrace the private cloud in some kind of offering. Now, I don't expect them to go and be like, hey, yeah, they're like, here, we completely. We we bought we bought Nutanix and we're going to put it on on every data center. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of this Mm. whole foods acquisition moment where they're like, okay, you think so? Big enough, we're now going to attack the grocery market. No, I, I expect I, I, there to be some type of private cloud announcement. Well, you know, when you couch it in those terms, you can get away with a lot of stuff. Like you can say, well, the, the VMware partnership is essentially, you know, their private cloud moment. Um, and, and, you know, probably, you know, I don't know anything, but probably there'll be something fleshing out that relationship a bit. Um, you'd expect, you know, if, if they're going into this hybrid private cloud thing that uh, you think is going to gonna happen. I'm still skeptical, right? I, I still think Amazon, uh, they're like, you know what? We made it this far. We're, you know, I think I've seen some stuff this week saying that uh, they're actually outpacing um, Microsoft and, uh, and Google on their growth. You know, so the pie is growing and Amazon is still increasing their slice of the pie which is crazy. Yeah. Well, I think this kind of gets to our, you know, the strategy article. It's like, well, what is the vision of Amazon? Right. Cause I think, you know, if we look at their retail operations, uh, you know, as, as, you know, maybe a proxy, maybe not right around, there's definitely a vision of like, Hey, we're just, you know, for a long time, people are like a oh, number one e-commerce retailer, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, now it seems like, no, they're going to be the number one retailer, like no matter what. And that, if that room calls yeah. involves opening stores, and, uh, you know, potentially there's grumblings that, you know, Amazon will eventually offer like a, a delivery service, the, you know, the equivalent of FedEx and you know, other and UPS at some point. Yeah, you um, know, they could have bought DHL fairly cheap because uh, didn't they go bankrupt like a couple years ago? Yeah, no, I mean, that that's definitely, you know, so it's kind of the old. Yeah. But, there, you know, so I don't think there's the one thing, the one reason I believe it is that Amazon, like many companies, like let's, you know, pick on maybe like a a Google or an Apple, right. Where they, they really, I think they try to focus. Their, yeah, yeah. They really focus, but to the point, like, I think their culture is more like, no, like we do things online and, you know, we have this very specific thing that we do or we build these phones and they really don't get outside of, 
kind of the core companies where Amazon's core is like, they are not afraid, right? Like, okay, we'll build a phone that didn't work. We'll build the speaker. Okay. That's great. And then, you know, we'll buy a grocery. So they don't, you know, um, if you will, the idea of like doing things haven't done before does scares them the least, I think. So that's why uh, I feel like yeah. they're willing to say, and I don't know, you know, I have a hard time guessing, like, I don't know what it'll be like, I just like a truck because what did they, what was it? It wasn't a snowball, <laughs> it was a snowmobile, right? I was like, I don't yeah, know, yeah. they'll have like, I'm sure there'll be something outrageous like that. Uh, I think the safest, safest prediction is some sort of Kubernetes service. Yes. Right? That's got to be coming. I think yeah. without a doubt, right? And I think now do they, do they full on, they, I, I don't even know. Have they joined the official? Uh, yeah. They, they, I, ooh, that's a good question. Um, the CNCF. Yeah. Uh, is, is that official? Org? Cause I think they, I know they announced they were supporting some stuff, but I wasn't sure if that was like a hundred, because I think for sure if they haven't, right. Then I expect to see, yeah, it's going to be like Kubernetes guys going to be up there. CNCF. They're going to be like, yeah, roll out some Brendan Burns, the yeah, Heptio guys. Good. <laughs> and then I don't know about the Docker. The same thing. I was like, no, nah, it just feels like if you're just putting together like a tech conference, you'd be like, okay, let's get an announcement with the Docker guys and the Kubernetes guys. Like you would just want it. Right. So I don't know. That was another one. I don't really know what the announcement would be, but I just feel like they're going to have them all up on stage, and everyone's just going to be shaking hands and like yeah. wearing yeah. black T-shirts. It's going to be great. so. So, so for the record, Amazon is a platinum member of the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. Okay, so where they're going to be up there, and I, yeah. I don't know what the next level is. I think it's just maybe announcing a better, a better service, an easier way to do it. I mean, because I you got to think that's a huge part of. of yeah, I think I, I think we'll probably see more IoT stuff pop out of the snow balls snow machines um <laughs> the snow cone makers um you know I, I i think that's probably something that you know we overlook a lot but i think the iot play is very important to amazon i you know and, and that's always been where i expect the hybrid story to get more traction like you know they they started rolling lambda stuff and into the the snow machine or snowballs um, so, you know, those snowballs have a couple of Xeons in them and can handle some off offline processing. So, you know, keep throwing more cores in there, let them run a couple of, uh, M3 larges, you know, I th that could, that could happen, but, uh, you know, I, I think there might be some play there, but I still think okay. it's not going to be as aggressive as Azure stack. Right. Okay. That, that's my, yeah. that's my very, very safe, boring prediction. Safe boring prediction. Well, I mean, you never know. And I, you know, the best predictions or the best announcements are, are something we just didn't see. Like, yeah. I don't know who they would buy or what they would do. Oh, uh, here's an announcement some SaaS is going to have their lunch eaten by Amazon. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is the moment, like everybody in the industry. I think everyone, it, it, it often feels like Amazon simultaneously attacks like everybody working in IT. They're like, whoa, they just announced the thing that you're doing. Like, no matter what yeah. it is, no matter what you're doing, you're like, wow. Um, so that, there is that that moment. Uh, but we will be excited. So that's next, it's next week. And uh, right after Christmas, yeah, recording. or right after Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, we'll probably record after the keynotes, at least so we can like somewhere talk in there. About it, yeah. That'll be some big notes for uh, news for us. All right. Well, listen, Matt, we're almost out of time. Yep. So one, want to thank our, our friends, SolarWinds. Thanks uh, for sponsoring and go to uh, solarwinds.com slash SDT. Get a free t-shirt. Go see them out at the show. And then two, Matt Ray, you, it looks like you have some type of, uh, of, uh, of a recommendation, but I, I don't know to click on this <laughs> like what, what are, what are you recommending here? What is it? Uh, yeah. So 
I've been laughing at this ever since I saw it. Um, as you're probably aware, uh, Australia recently uh, um, had a, a mail-in vote for um, whether or not gay marriage should be legalized. And uh, um, and and it passed. Uh, I think it was like 63 percent, you know, fairly, fairly high. And then, you know, they uh, they went to this. I, what I what I've linked to is a Australian politician uh, commenting on it. And and I, I just you have to watch it because <laughs> it, it's it's so, so Australian. Um, and uh, just trust me, go watch this. And, and, and it's gone viral, right, nah. so you you know maybe you've seen it, but it's okay. thirty it's seconds. Good. All right. Okay. Well, I will definitely watch it. I I have the link here, but I did not have the audio going during the show. So that, well, that looks good. Uh, you know, that's cryptic, that's, you know, but good. Uh, cryptic. All right. Well, good. All right. We'll check it out. All right. Well, my recommendation this week is is going to just be uh, my uh, mother in law came into town, so my wife and I got to go see a movie, which we never do, and we went out and saw American Made, which is this Tom mm-hmm. Cruise movie about. Uh, about this guy that uh, essentially worked for the CIA and, <laughs> and uh, ultimately helped uh, smuggle all kinds of things between, uh, I guess, Colombia and uh, various uh, places in Central America. And it's just a crazy story about how a TWA pilot becomes this renegade pilot, sort of the hero, sort of does some bad things. But, you know, I, I am I will not I'm not going to sit here and you know say I don't like Tom Cruise. I saw Top Gun, loved it, would watch it again right now if I had the time. Uh, but some I read the Rotten Tomatoes review and they said I was like, hey, it's Tom Cruise at his best. And it is. Mm-hmm. It's Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise doing his thing so if you're looking for some kind of like fun just crazy I, story i would say uh check out i, I will catch that on an airplane i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> if you're not ready just just wait just wait, just wa- so. wait for the Qantas. all right well with that a few other plugs I do want to say you know if if you enjoy the show um with or without kote you can still leave us a five-star uh recommendation in uh iTunes that helps people find our show. Uh, we do want to know more about you guys. So if you go check out the show notes or you get it on the Slack or you see it on Twitter, please fill out the software defined talk audience survey. And that will let us know more about you and maybe even, you know, we'll read it and actually talk about stuff you want, or we'll just disregard it and talk about what we want. Fair so, enough. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, but with that, I want to thank everyone and we will see you. Bye. later.